You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Week number 15, tis the season to be jolly. Army, Navy, Heisman Trophy, 39 bowl games to wet the palate. And oh, by the way, the college football playoff, Rock and Rich Sermonello, this is what it's all about, the most wonderful time of the year. I love this weekend. I mean, we've gone through every regular season weekend. We've broken down games. We were here in the preseason talking about expectations, conference champions who would be in the playoff and now on this december the 9th we get an opportunity to really break down heisman individual award winners army navy alone by itself and we're also going to spend a big portion of the day talking about coaches it's been a great coaching carousel and joe all of those bowl games great matchups great rewards for an excellent 2017 regular season but i also like the bowl games joe because it gives us a first look at 2018 as well we had 39 bowl games plus the two semi-final playoff games to find out who will be crowned the 2017 national champion doesn't get better than this sit back relax rich and i have you covered for the next three hours great show on tap at 9 15 we'll be joined by Akron head coach Terry Bowden. We'll get coaches take about his team playing FAU and Lane Kiffin in the Boca Raton Bowl. At 11.24, we'll be joined by former Alabama defensive back George Teague. We'll get George's take about Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide playing Dabo Sweeney and Clemson in the semifinal playoff game. We'll also be joined at 10.39 and 11.39 by Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci. Get Gabe's best picks for the bowl season more. More importantly, we'll also get his best and most favorite bowls, also get his take on the coaching changes and the Heisman Trophy. But this is what it's all about. I mean, it's snowing outside. Philadelphia will be rocking with Army-Navy a little bit later at 3.30. And a little bit of controversy with Ohio State getting left out of the college football playoff. I I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I I liked Alabama getting in there, but I wanted to get your thoughts about Buckeyes after their 27-21 victory over Wisconsin last week. I I thought Alabama made the most sense, but it bothers me a little bit, and this is just the system we have right now, that Alabama sort of took the back door in. I I like when we have a year in which there are four truly deserving programs. I'm not sure if Alabama truly deserved at the same level as Clemson, as Oklahoma, as Georgia, all finished the season strong, all finished the season with conference championships, but Ohio State really frittered away an opportunity to have that fourth spot. You cannot lose to an unranked Iowa team by 31 points. That's really what this comes down to. But Alabama now, they're going to hear about it for the next month, that they don't belong, that they took the back door in. I think that could be the perfect motivation for Nick Saban, for those Crimson Tide players. They're not used to being in this position to be sort of an underdog, and that's exactly what they're going to be against Clemson. Yeah, they are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas over Dabo Sweeney and the defending national champions. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but stick with us. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Up next, Akron head coach Terry Bowden.
the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. On College Football Today, Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live in the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you want to talk college football with us, give us a call, 844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. You can follow me on Twitter at Go for the 2 That's the number two. You can follow Rich on Twitter at Rich Sermonello. That's C-I-R-M-I-N-I-E-L-L-O. Going to wait for Coach Bowden to join us. He does play Lane Kiffin in the Boca Raton Bowl on December 19th. But some intriguing coaching hires. Willie Taggart hired by Florida State. Uh, about three days ago, we had Jeremy Pruitt becoming the new head coach of Tennessee and Mario Cristobal becoming the new head coach of Oregon, Rich. I like all of those hires. I thought Jeremy Pruitt was the right guy for the job. I do feel, though, that Willie Taggart is up against it from a recruiting aspect in Florida State. Yeah, I, I like the Cristobal hire. I'm not really sure at this late stage where Oregon was going to go. Uh, the players lobbied heavily. The Oregon players really wanted Mario Cristobal to stay on staff. He has head coaching experience, as you know, from his days at Florida International, where he was successful and surprisingly fired uh, from that program. Uh, Willie Taggart is a very good coach. He's proven it at South Florida. Western Kentucky had a good year this year at Oregon, 6-1, and one, when his quarterback, Justin Herbert, was healthy. This is a major step up in weight class. Now he's going to be going head-to-head, recruiting trail during the season in the ACC Atlantic against Dabo Sweeney and Clemson, which is going to be difficult. Very good coach, very tall task. In terms of Tennessee, listen, that was the most bungled coaching uh, carousel that we have ever seen, I think, at Tennessee. That was a complete mess. But having said that, I think they landed on their feet with a coach who I think could have the potential to be like Kirby Smart at Georgia. Outstanding recruiter Jeremy Pruitt, terrific coach, has spent time at some great programs, Joe, Florida State, Alabama most recently, so I think that's a good hire for Tennessee considering what took place uh, prior to that point. Yeah, I agree with you, and I told you, I thought Jeremy Pruitt was the guy to get the Florida, uh, the uh, Tennessee job. I thought him where Brett Venables would have been great hires prior to Greg Chiano being given the job by the administration. I will say this in terms of Cristobal, I never thought he should have been fired fl- from Florida Atlantic. I mean, he brought that program up, led them to a bowl game, did have players like Wesley Carroll at the quarterback position in the 
a wide receiver that plays in the NFL and T.Y. Hilton, when they moved on, the cupboard was dry. They went three and nine and and fired Cristobal after that year and then hired a guy in Ron Turner that never got it done in Illinois. I mean, started out fast, took Illinois to a Sugar Bowl appearance against LSU, lost that matchup with Kirk Hittner against Rowan Davey, and then just went the other direction in the Big Ten. And he had no success in the in the program for Florida International. Uh, Crystal Ball is a blue collar guy. The one question mark I have with his uh, head coaching uh, tenure there in Eugene is going to be: he's more of a, an East Coast type of guy. Can he recruit the talent up against Chip Kelly, Clay Helton in, in that type of landscape? And now Herm Edwards at Arizona State, and and I think he'll have to too. One one of the trappings of the reason why you hire a Mario Cristobal is not just his X's and O's and his coaching, but his ability to recruit. And, and at a school like Oregon where you're not getting blue chippers in the state of Oregon, not many in the state of Washington, and if they do, they're probably going to be Huskies or Cougars. You have to be able to go outside the state, and he may even have to go back to his roots in Florida. I think he'll be able to. He'll spend a lot of time in California, obviously West Coast. But Mario Cristobal, I think, can get those two- and three-star players in the state of Florida, in the state of Georgia, and say, listen, we have something to offer up here. We have tremendous facilities. We have Nike money up in Eugene. We have a reputation from the Chip Kelly days, briefly with Mark Helfrich. So I still think it's a good job at Oregon. I'd like to get your take of all these coaching changes, and there have been some very splashy ones, what is your favorite hire up to this point? Which one do you think is the best fit, will have the most success two or three years down the line? Well, I, I think it's two. I think it is Jeremy Pruitt from a physicality perspective in Tennessee and in Knoxville. That's the one thing you look at Tennessee this year, the worst rush defense in the SEC, 252 rushing yards per game, uh, didn't win an SEC game this year. And, and from a physicality perspective, I think Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt will be, bring that back. And then the other hire, I love is Scott Frost going back to Nebraska. I think from a uh, coaching X's and O's standpoint, he's the guy to get it done. When you look at Nebraska overall last year, they cannot run the football, only average 107 rushing yards on the ground per game. That's not Nebraska football. But when you look at what he was able to do at UCF, I mean, he took over a program under George O'Leary that was 0-12. Rich, they could not run the football. They averaged that year 81 rushing yards per game. In two years, an undefeated season, he got them to 149 two years ago, up close to 200 rushing yards per game. He'll get it done now. I don't think the type of players that he wants in Lincoln are there yet, but make no mistake about it, they'll be flying to the football in 2018. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, the two that really stand out for me, Scott Frost, number one, I, I don't think there are a lot of people that, that could have the success at Nebraska that that program is looking for. I mean, the days of Tom Osborne, you know, that's a generation ago. I don't know if we can recapture that in the Big, uh, Big Ten per se. I think you can get back to the Bo Pelini days. I, I believe that Nebraska can do in the Big Ten West what Wisconsin has done over the past decade. I see no reason why Nebraska can't be there, but they need a young, energetic, uh, visionary leader. Scott Frost, I think, is that guy. The fact that he is an alum, that he knows the terrain. His mom used to be a track coach at Nebraska, so he has deep roots in Lincoln. That is a perfect fit. And when I evaluate coaching hires, I like to take a look at where were you this year And where are you going to be next year? Did you upgrade 
or did you go backwards? And I look at UCLA, for instance, from Jim Mora to Chip Kelly. That is a major upgrade. I take a look at Mike Riley to Scott Frost, major upgrade. I even like Jim McElwain to Dan Mullen. I really like Dan Mullen at Florida. You know, you need someone who knows the SEC, knows how to recruit in that territory, can coach up talent. I think Dan Mullen, a program that has been looking for quarterbacks and offense now since Tim Tebow graduated about, what, eight years ago. It's been a long time. They need someone who can you know, sort of devise an offensive game plan, really coach up quarterbacks. I think Dan Mullen was a great hire for the Gators. Well, that's why I don't like the hires of Cristobal and Willie Taggart at Florida State so much when you ask me, how do I see them projecting? Because you look at the state of Florida now. Let's look at the head coaches. Mark Richt at Miami. You have Lane Kiffin at FAU. You have Charlie Strong at USF. And now you have, like you mentioned, uh, Dan Mullen at Florida. To take that type of talent out of the state of Florida to programs like Oregon, like you mentioned, or even to Tallahassee with Willie Taggart, it's going to be a difficult test. Now, Willie Taggart did it at USF, but he's now removed himself, and you have other more experienced head coaches that have put themselves and has really solidified themselves from a recruiting aspect to their programs. That's why I'm not so sure Willie Taggart turns around Florida State in year number one or two. Yeah, no, it's a great point. I think he's a terrific head coach, but let's see if he can actually uh, take a team to a national championship. Yeah, now the one hire that I don't like is is Arizona uh, head co- Arizona State head coach Herm Edwards in terms of a great guy. He's a great college football analyst, but he's been removed from the game for a long time, number one, from the NFL level, let alone the collegiate level. Yeah. And I'm not so sure he can go and recruit guys up against Chip Kelly in that West Coast landscape. Well, Ray Edwards, the athletic director, is taking a unique take towards uh, his leadership model. Uh, Herm Edwards is basically going to be a CEO. Uh, he's a little bit older. I, I don't know if he's going to be able to... Uh, recruit on a daily basis. I don't know if he's going to have the energy or the desire to be a college head coach, but you know they kept their staff largely together. Billy Napier on offense, as an example. I I, I think he's going to be the CEO. He's going to have offensive and defensive coordinators who are going to be like the presidents of their side of the ball. Very unique. I hated the hire. I think that was the worst hire so far this offseason was Herm Edwards. I think it's very curious, splashy for Arizona State, but I think about someone like Mike Norvell, who coached at Arizona State was Todd Graham's offensive coordinator. He's one of the, one of the hot young rising stars at Memphis. Memphis was able to re up his contract. I don't even know if ASU even made an overture. Well, to him. how about this name, Lane Kiffin? Absolutely. I mean, Lane Kiffin yeah. going up against Chip Kelly, Mario Cristobal, Clay Helton. That's a perfect fit. He's got Twitter down. Yep. I mean, that's what. Let's be honest. Arizona State's a party school. We know. I mean, it's known as a party school. One of the top party schools in the country. So from the kids go there because. They want the they want the glimmer and glam, yeah. and they want yeah. the entertainment aspect. If you get Herm Edwards, who's close to seventy, you're not going to get that. But if you hire a guy like Lane Kiffin, that now has resurrected FAU after Howard Schnellenberger for the most part and Partridge. I mean, that's the type of hire that I would go for. I mean, he looks like he's really learned from an offensive coordinator under Nick Saban and really brought uh, uh, I want to say a maturity to Florida Atlantic this year. Brings a lot of attention. He brings a lot of flair. I, I think Lane Kiffin could have a, the pick of his jobs in 2018. Yeah, we'll see. We're just getting started. When we come back, we'll get Coach uh, Akron head coach Terry Bowden on the line. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Bowl season kicks off next Saturday, December 16th. If you want to get the skinny on the bowls, you got to get one of the coaches on the hotline. December 19th, Boca Raton Bowl, Akron and FAU. We're joined by Akron head coach Terry Bowden on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Coach, how are you today? Awful good, Joe. Uh, appreciate you calling me and uh, putting me on your show. we got practice here in about 30 minutes. and uh, you know, The key to these bowl games is, is that when you go to the bowl, there's so much entertainment, there's so much th- activities for the players. You've got to get your hard practice in before you leave. You've got to talk your, convince your players to get hard work in before you get there. Because when you get there, you might have an hour and a half of their attention, an hour of video, and then they, they have the dance to go to. They have fun, and you want to make it fun. But, you know, I talked to my father, who's went to about 40 straight bowls. I know 34 at Florida State, and, and he won most of them. You've got to get your hard work in before you get to the bowl site. Coach, when we had you on last, you were not bowl eligible. Since uh-huh. that time, I mean, you won the East Division of the MAC. You went to the conference championship game. Reflect on your 2017 season. I mean, a dynamic year that saw you get back to the title game. Yeah, I'm really proud of this football team. This team has gone farther than most most people thought they could. Won the Eastern Division. Won outright. Won our, our division of the conference. Beat our rivalry game. Got to a bowl game only the third time in school history and the twice in the last three years got to a bowl game. I'm just so proud of this team. You know, when people look at records, I mean, their team is 10-3 and we're 7-6. And 7-6 doesn't look good. We lost to Penn State. We lost to Iowa State, who beat Oklahoma. We lost to conference champion Troy by five when they scored in the last minute. Then we lost to Matt champion Toledo twice, which is the undisputed best team in our conference. Five of our six wins. The only loss to Miami was when we lost our quarterback. And didn't know about it until about a day or two before the game. We played our backup quarterback. So I, this team has been this team has been really good. We have eight bowl eligible teams on our schedule. Our team is the Eastern Division champions of a very very good mid major conference. And so we go in there. I, I imagine we're underdogs. I imagine all the, all the all the interest is in is in Florida Atlantic. But I really like the resiliency, the toughness of our football team. You know, we played Buffalo, and FAU played Buffalo, and we beat them, and they did, didn't beat them. And so there's there's some things we can build on, and our kids get excited about going down to Florida. Coach, you talk about uh, 2017 being a reward for that resiliency, uh-huh. for all of the hard work for the kids. But what does it mean to your program, to any program for that matter, for 2018? How important are these practices and this time right. in December that you'll spend with your kids? They're critical. Okay, look at the mid-major level of football. If you go 12-0 and or 7-6, and what are your chances of making the Final Four playoffs? What are your chances? 12-0 and or 7-6? and Are the chances the same? Zero, right? So your, your, your reward is a bowl game. There's two, you, you're, 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 a lot of people go to the conference championship game, whether it be the SEC, the ACC, knowing if they win it, 
they're going to maybe make the Final Four. Our, our, our reward is a bowl, and that's it. That's what college football is for mid-majors. So when we go, we have a reward. It's a bowl game, so it's huge. And now our, our senior class is the first class in school history, and that's about 80 or 90 years of football, to go to a preseason, to postseason uh, playoff or bowl uh, more than once. Never been before done. They've been on two out of the last three years. And so it's a huge reward. And then we have 31 players from the state of Florida. Most of our players are from Northeast Ohio. Y'all know good football. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Columbus, that, that area of Northeast Ohio, as far south as you can throw Youngstown, Canton, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, an hour and a half away, Cleveland two hours away. I mean, Columbus two hours away. That's a huge area. But 31 players are from Florida. And they'll go home now to play this game, and their parents will be there, and their teammates will be there, and their hospital will watch that game. And it's huge for us to go back down to South Florida and recruit when we're playing in bowl games in South Florida. Coach, when you look at the X's and O's standpoint, I mean, from a statistical uh-huh. standpoint, I mean, uh, it doesn't look overwhelming. But the one thing for me that I look at no. when I look at the progression of your team, third down offense, I mean, you're converting 40% of the time on third downs. Right. And defensively, you're holding opposing offenses to 34% on third downs. And you're forcing turnovers, plus 10 in turnover margin heading into this ball game. I mean, how important is that when you look at this matchup against FAU? Well, I mean, first of all, you can put all the other stats out. If you if you have a plus ten in turnover margin, or you're high, you're going to win most of your games. You're, you're just going to have more at bats. It's the most important statistic. If you want to study football, look at turnover margin. Almost always, if you look over the length of the season, it's going to represent a winning season. It's just the way it is. Now we have, but but we are a team that finds a way to win at the end. We have been a bend but break uh, defense offensively. While we lost four and ball, our top back Deltron Sands, our second back. We have been an offense that tries to not turn the ball over and win this thing that went by one point. What, what did, what did um, uh, Al Davis say with the Raiders? Just win, baby. Just win. There is only the one statistic that matters, the score, the score of the game. But we are not a dominant statistical defense. And I'll tell you, the FAU's got a great running back. They've got great, some great players. And, uh, and they've done a great job coaching. I know much of their, many of their staff members. They do a great job. We've got to find a way to go out there and play the best we can play but you know, but what is our favorite stat? Turnover. Don't win the turnover battle. I will say this: FAU is ten and three because they win the turnover battle too. So I think this will be a battle of you know, whether we can stop their big plays by their skilled athletes, and we can win the turnover battle against a team that has a habit of winning the turnover battle too. Coach, uh, this time of year fascinates me. It really does because, and uh-huh. you t- you touched on it at the beginning of our interview. It's such a unique time because of the different distractions. You've had time off. Maybe some right. of the some of the dinged up players are now healthy. From a leadership standpoint, from an executive standpoint, what is most critical for a coach and a coaching staff to make sure that these kids are focused uh, once it becomes game time? That's the most important thing. You know, I've been a head coach. It's been years. I've been a head coach at five different universities over 25 years. You know, Division three, Division two, one double A, Division one. Now, back when I first started coaching Division one at Florida State and Auburn, I mean, all your bowl games were played around January one. You had a couple of weeks off before you started practicing. The kids were fresh. They were excited about practice. Now that we're at the mid-major level, and your bowl games are all before Christmas. It's like one double A or Division two playoffs, and and since I coach that, I, I look in their eyes. These guys, these guys are tired. They never had a break during. See, this isn't a two week re- recreation re- layoff, and then come back and practice. So we have to think of these players as if they were playing in a playoff game in Division three or two or one double A, where you play your or like the NFL, 
you got to be careful not to just work the death out of because I told you earlier, get your hard work done early so you don't have to do it as bowl game. This is a unique thing. All these bowls before uh, Christmas are different than most of us coaches had 15, 20 years ago. There were no bowls like this. So we have to keep, we have to be an executive, look into the eyes of those players. And I will tell you all something. I've got, I've got practice in 30 minutes. And my players don't know this. I'm going to call off practice today. Wow. Now, don't call, don't call, don't let. I hope they're not listening to this, this radio <laughs> in New York. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to the radio station all over the country. But I'm saying is, but I, that you have to be an executive and look and see what's best for your program because the bowl games, it's a critical way to end your season because that's kind of way you start the next season. But you've got to look and see your kids and what is are the demands of the bowl that you're in and act accordingly. Coach, and I want to keep it there, especially at the quarterback position, because Tommy did get hurt uh, throughout the year. You went to Cato Nelson that really stepped up and made plays throughout the the second half of the season. And when you look at his progression, not this just this year, but moving to 2018, how critical is this bowl preparation time for, for your team in, in the 2018 season? So that's, that's one of the big things about bowls. You know, you only get 15 days in spring for spring practice. We get almost that many for a bowl game. And so now you've got your entire team, and the young people especially. You can work them extra. You can work them longer. You can send the seniors in. You can send the starters into the dressing room and work those younger guys and get some more work with them. That, that, that's, that's one of those things. And like Kato Nelson, our quarterback. Now, one, he's going home. He lives 30 minutes away from Boca. So he's from Broward County. He's, he lived close to the city. He'll, he'll be going home. But it gives him a chance to get better and better. You remember, Joe, last year when we lost our first two quarterbacks, and in the last two games I had to play a wide receiver quarterback because I promised not to take Cato's redshirt away in the last two games. And so, But now he's gotten experience. He's getting more experience. And next year we come into the conference with probably the best young quarterback in the league. Coach, Coach. <laughs> Great insight and information. We're going to watch you on December 19th. We wish you the best against the Owls. We hope you enjoyed it today. Thanks, Joe. Great insight. I mean, to hear from I Coach Bowden, I mean, to, to hear I from really Coach do. Bowden, to hear how he prepares for yeah. a bowl game, because a lot of people and fans don't recognize you really do have to manipulate your t- manipulate your team in terms of you have to feel it out. You have to understand: yeah. Are they tired? Are they tired mentally? Should we just watch films? Should we work them extra harder in terms of endurance? And to get that, it's that was so it. much that was, different. That was I love talking to coaches this time of year because you know the the model, the blueprint, Joe, is so different. You're used to being you know in the grind during the season, week after week. You know how to you know how to manage your players. You know what buttons to push. You know who's you know not 100%, but we can get them ready for Saturday. Now you have the uniqueness of a giant exhale, two, three, four, sometimes five weeks away from contact. You know, some coaches have mastered it. Kyle Whittingham at Utah is one of the great coaches in terms of preparing for bowl games. Urban Meyer's done a good job over the years. Sounds like Terry has his model for success as well. But there's something so unique from a coaching standpoint in the bowl season that you just don't experience. Plus the distractions. You have all the distractions. You're now going someplace where you're getting swag bags and there are parties and there are events it's very different than the regular season. But that's why I like bowl season. People complain that there's too many bowls for a, for a, a team like Akron. This is a very important yeah. game. Not yeah. And he mentioned it from a recruiting aspect. 31 players from the state of Florida. I mean, you're Didn't going know that number. Home. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Chuck Amato's there. So Chuck Amato, defensive coordinator at Florida State, they recruit heavily in the state of Florida. So we'll see how they play. it, it plays out because Florida Atlantic is a high-octane offense, and Lane Kiffin, 
probably will be looking for another job, you know, in 2018. But I'm curious to know, they're playing the game at home. And I always wonder when you take that aspect for Florida yeah. Atlantic, how do their kids feel? They're not going anywhere. It's not. It's just another home game for this team. Akron's going to be looking, you know, to make a statement. Is yeah. Florida Atlantic? They, do they come out flat in this matchup? Most programs, most kids I've talked to over the years, they want to go someplace different. They want to get out of their home state. December 19th, Boca Raton Bowl, Akron and Florida Atlantic. When we come back, we'll be talking Heisman, Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Rocking and rolling into the Heisman discussion. Three players tonight. Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. Lamar Jackson, last year's winner from Louisville. And Bryce Love, running back from Stanford, will all be in New York tonight to see who wins the 2017 Heisman Trophy. Rich, two players that aren't going to be there. Saquon Barkley, running back for Penn State and leading rusher in the nation Rashad Penny from San Diego State, 2,027 yards, 19 rushing touchdowns, not going to be invited to the to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I have a problem with it, though. I listen. I, I think it's a lost opportunity for the Heisman. I, 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 you know, I remember the day when there used to be five invitees. I, I, I think this is a case where. The more, the merrier within reason. I don't want to see, you know, 10 finalists in, in the city, but I think five is an apropos number. Why wouldn't you want to celebrate? I understand that Saquon and Rashad Penny are not going to win the award. You know, listen, turn off your, your, you know, your device at this point if you don't want to know who's going to win, but it's going to be Baker Mayfield, and it might be the largest margin of victory in the history of the Heisman Trophy. But I think it's a great opportunity to get kids like Penny. I mean, you know, nobody really knew a ton about this kid, even though he rushed for 1,000 yards last year, but he was playing in the shadow of Donnell Pumphrey at San Diego State. Saquon Barkley, great player on the field, great player off of it. I, I think out of the five kids that we just mentioned, he might have the best future in the NFL. So why not bring these kids in? Why not have them be a part of that ceremony? I think it would be good for the Heisman, good for the fans, good for the programs involved. So for me, it's a bit of a disappointment. Well, let's talk about Mayfield from a statistical standpoint. He completed 71% of his passes, 4,340 yards, 41 touchdowns, and five interceptions. You look at Lamar Jackson, though, completed 60% of his passes, 3,489 yards, 25 touchdowns. He also rushed for 1,443 yards with another 17 rushing touchdowns. I don't have a problem with both of those players being invited in obviously Baker Mayfield will win the Heisman. The problem that I have is if you're going to invite Bryce Love to the Heisman Trophy, 1,973 yards, he averaged 8.3 yards per carry with 17 rushing touchdowns, 
and you're not going to invite Rashad Penny that led the nation with 2,027 yards and 19 rushing touchdowns. He rushed for 216 against yeah. Arizona State, 175 against Stanford. They won both of those games. And he rushed for over 200 the last four games of the year with nine rushing touchdowns. Come how, about, on. how about Penny as a special teamer? I mean, one, one of the most dynamic kick returners in the country. You bring up the important stats, Joe, which is how he played against Pac-12 competition, because I know it's easy sometimes to say, well, he's a Mountain West running back. Who has he played? Mountain West, good group of five conference, but he's not facing Power Five competition. OK, he's not facing those teams on a week to week basis. But Joe very you know, wisely brought up some great points. 216, 175 against Arizona State and a very good Stanford defense, respectively. So Penny is another great example of a kid that gets overlooked because he's playing at a small school. He's a 2000 yard rusher, outstanding receiver out of the backfield and a great, not good, great special teams performer. So, you know, th- the problem with the Heisman is it's it's over the years and it continues to fester it has this elitist sort of a a a brand to it right now and and someone like a rashad penny who's paying out on the west coast oftentimes playing late at night not enough voters pay attention to what he's doing and i i would have loved to have seen a kid like that going from san diego to tonight right here in new york city i think it'd be a great celebration of mountain west and west coast football i couldn't agree more and when you look at bryce love's numbers as well i mean he put up 301 rushing yards against arizona state he put up 263 against ucla ucla's defense gave up 282 rushing yards per game and he put up 184 against san diego state in the loss i understand his numbers but at the end of the day i mean rashad penny did it on the football field and more importantly when you look at bryce love as a whole i mean it'll be talked about that rashad penny's a product of the system a heavy offensive line playing in the mountain west conference what about bryce love same thing christian mccaffrey put up dynamic numbers last year what's the difference between christian mccaffrey last year and bryce love this year you have to invite rashad penny Yeah, I agree. I just want to touch on Saquon Barkley. I understand what happened in the second half of the season, and maybe voters didn't want to peel the onion back on it. He got no support from his offensive line. If you want to talk purely in terms of best all-around football player, again, much like a Rashad Penny, interestingly enough, similar players, uh, well-sized backs, they can work between the tackles, have the speed to go the distance, had big plays on special teams. Uh, Saquon is an outstanding blocker, receiver out of the backfield. He's an asset in the passing game. I love the all-around potential of this kid. I realize that big moments late, He disappeared because the offensive line was just god-awful down the stretch. But to me, if you want to talk about purely best football player in college football, Saquon Barkley, I think, might be just behind Baker Mayfield, maybe Lamar Jackson. I I love the kid. I think he's got great potential on the next level. Also love who he is as a person, and that would be another reason why the Heisman should have had him in here as well. Well, well, that's where I was going with that, because the Heisman Trophy, when you look at the description, it's best on the field with integrity, perseverance, hard work, work ethic. Now, you can't take away from Baker Mayfield on the football field, but what about the the off-the-field issues? He did get arrested in Arkansas in March. He did have that situation against Kansas where, uh, you know, he had an issue. The gesture. The gesture, and he wasn't the captain for the final game. And then the video surfaced of him throwing the football at a TCU player's head. 
in Norman. I mean, at what point do you say enough is enough and now we're going to reward him with the Heisman Trophy as the best player in college football? I'll tell you this. I'll go out on a limb here. I think if you get arrested... Uh, prior to your season or while you're in college playing athletics. And again, there was no mistake about it. He was drunk. He got arrested. It was a misdemeanor. I don't think he should be entitled to an award. I'm sorry. I just don't. I think you want to be a first-round draft pick? Not a problem. But uh, to give him an award based off integrity... I have, a, I have a severe problem with Baker Mayfield winning the Heisman later today. I, Joe, I think it's a very fair debate. And, and if Baker Mayfield does not uh, trump Troy Smith of Ohio State for the largest percentage of votes in the history of the Heisman, I think the reason will be the off-field antics. I mean, this is a kid who is spectacular on the field. Can't wait to see him against Georgia in the Rose Bowl, in the playoff semifinal. Love watching him play. Love what he brings to the game. Think he'll have a shot to be a good NFL player, but he has to mature. This is the kind of award that has you know, such a distinguished nature to it. Uh, it's a part of American lore. I think about some of the greats that have won this award, and I think away from the field, he has not held himself to that standard. Now, it's not going to make a difference. He did enough with those 41 touchdown passes, all those highlight reel moments, but throughout the year, whether it was off the field in the offseason or on the field, with the gesture, with the you know the flag planting Ohio State, he didn't pl- conduct himself with a lot of class, and that's something that the Heisman is going to have to deal with. Yeah, I agree. I, the flag planting I, I that I don't have a problem with. That was in the moment. He didn't hurt anybody with that antic. But where did you learn in terms of from that arrest? I mean, I mean, how many other videos are there that we don't know about in terms of he threw a football at, a, yeah, at an opponent's head? I mean, from yeah. an integrity standpoint, that's the one I have a problem with. Not the problem in yeah. Kansas with the gesture. It is that, I mean, you're a leader of the team. Right. And if you're going to take Baker Mayfield in the first three or four rounds of the NFL draft next year, this is going to be the leader of your team and you want him to be the face of the franchise, I'm not so sure that's the right thing. Now, I'll talk, turn my attention to Lamar Jackson. Here's a player that has really progressed this year, especially in terms of a pocket presence. I mean, last year, he was one of the most sacked quarterbacks in college football in the last couple of years. 47 total sacks in 2016, 44 in 2015. This year, 27. I mean, he's completed 60% of his passes. He looks like a more confident quarterback. And this is a player, when you talk about NFL draft next year that could be rising up the draft boards for some NFL teams. Who would you... Well, let me ask you two questions. Number one, is Baker Mayfield the second coming of Johnny Manziel? And number two, if you're an NFL GM, Joe Lisi, who would you take? Would you take Lamar Jackson or would you take Baker Mayfield? I would take Lamar Jackson because of his uh, ability to put pressure on opposing defenses on the edge. Would I take Lamar Jackson at his height and frame right now? No. I would take Quentin Flowers. If Lamar Jackson had Quentin Flowers' weight... His thickness. His thickness yeah. and his ability from a durability standpoint, I would take Lamar Jackson in, in a harpy. I think that's the one thing when you look at the game, especially now, you look at Cam Newton, you look at those players that could put pressure on opposing defenses on the perimeter, the, the, the escapability from a pass rush, that's the type of guy I want. I look at Baker Mayfield like a, a Drew Brees type of comparison. Now, I think Drew Brees was a more polished quarterback at this point in his career coming out of Purdue his ability to read coverage. Look at Baker Mayfield in the Big 12. Seven-on-seven schematics he's playing against every week. 
Yeah, I, I would take Baker Mayfield, uh, but I, I would do it with caution. I'm, I'm worried about his maturity. I am worried that he could be another Johnny Manziel away from the field. Uh, he loves the sport. I get that. Loves the sport more than Manziel did. But that lack of maturity, you're too old right now to still be making those kinds of mistakes. I don't want to hear that you're a, you're a kid. No, you're a 21, 22-year-old young adult with an opportunity to be a first-round draft choice. Having said that, I love what he brings to a football team. He is the epitome of a winner, does a great job in terms of long ball accuracy. I don't think there's a better long ball passer in the game right now. He's the kind of player I I look at, yes, Drew Brees. I look at, there are some Brett Favre type comparisons, just the way he conducts himself, the energy that he brings to a program. I think it's going to be fascinating pre-draft. When we're having pre-draft shows and doing pre-draft coverage, Baker Mayfield is going to be a lightning rod on both sides. Yeah, and I think Lamar Jackson uh, looks like, to me, like another Deshaun Watson. Now, Deshaun Watson was a better pocket passer last year, but Lamar Jackson has shown the ability to step up his game. We'll see who wins at 8 o'clock tonight. When we come back, we'll be talking Talking about our best bowls for 2017. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com premium and learn more about our awesome products. Season is right around the corner. What better way to talk bowls than talk about Rich and I's favorite bowls for the 2017 season outside the college football playoff games. Rich, for the people that know me a long time, the Sun Bowl is a dear bowl game to my heart. My favorite bowl. If I was a coach in 12 and 0 or 13 and 0, forget the Rose Bowl. Forget the playoff. I'm going to the rolling hills of Texas El Paso. Send me to El Paso. Sun Bowl. Yeah, Sun and Bowl. it's a great matchup. Yeah. Uh, NC State and Arizona State this year. Uh, I think it's a fantastic game. It'll look great on the screen, and I love the Sun Bowl. Which, which one is your top bowl game? Herm, Herm Edwards will be overlooking the bowl <laughs> game from, from far up on the mountains in El Paso. Number three for me is going to be uh, Arizona versus Purdue. I love really? points. Okay, Love a good shootout with some rest. I really want to see Khalil Tate, the Arizona quarterback, going up against Jeff Brom's offense. I know they're not healthy, but Jeff has done a great job this year. Uh, Purdue's defense, which you turned me on to midseason. Purdue's D, Homer. underrated with Nick Holt. I like that game between Purdue and Arizona. Well, here's a game that in its inception, I mean, it's only there about since 2006, I believe. The pinstripe bowl for me is really quickly moving up the charts because it is in New York. It takes place in a baseball stadium, Yankee Stadium. I love the game. It's on grass. It's cold. It's wintry. And it has a great matchup between Iowa and Boston College, two blue-collar teams. For me, this is one of my favorite bowl games every year. Iowa-BC on a frozen, 
hard as rock tundra. feel tundra. in the Bronx sort of makes sense. I think that fits their brand and their personality quite well. I'm going to throw out the Fiesta Bowl. Really? I really like the matchup between hmm. Penn State and Washington. I think both teams will be motivated. It's a battle of two teams that at points during the season thought they could be conference champs, thought they could have a spot in the playoffs. Now they're going to get an opportunity to face off in Arizona. I like matchups. I'm all about the head-to-head matchups. Vita Vea and that Washington defense, very physical, very quick to the ball, versus a Penn State team. I know James Franklin will have them motivated. Saquon Barkley has already said he's going to play in this game. He wants to show out in what will likely be his final college game. So Saquon and Trace McSorley versus the Washington defense. I like the contrasting styles. Yeah, like you're shopping at Nordstrom, and I'm going to Walmart here with my blue-collar bowls because for Pinch me— Pinstripe Bowl is all Walmart, no yeah, question. Well, that's what it's all about. I mean, I love blue-collar. Show me a game in Hawaii, the Hawaii Bowl. You got Major Applewhite in Houston. I mean, to me, that's the matchup going up against Jeff Tedford and Fresno State. I want to see that matchup play out because I want to see the front seven of Houston. I want to see Major Applewhite. They did win their last game of the year over Navy. Can it continue? And you look at Jeff Tedford and Fresno State. I mean, they lost the Mountain West Championship game 17-14 to to Boise State. But the landscape in Hawaii, and it's a crazy atmosphere there, usually high scoring, but that's one that I have my eye on. It only makes me jealous. This time (laughs) of year when I'm watching Hawaii and blue collar there's nothing blue collar about palm trees and hula skirts no but the that's landscape but it's the landscape i, I do mean, love the visual that's a perfect visual, visual. Th- that yeah. matters when december we're all yes. bundled up trying to stay warm and then uh, the hawaii bowl comes on my final one ucf versus auburn i to me i i, I love the cinderella stories i think the knights might be able to play with Auburn. They'll be motivated. Where's Auburn's head for this game? Where will they be in the Peach Bowl? Will they be motivated for unbeaten UCF? Scott Frost is still going to coach them. Mackenzie Milton against that Auburn defense. I like the uh, little engine that could stories. I, I, I like that in uh, in January, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Peach Bowl. Well, I'll throw two other matchups that I have my eye on. Army and San Diego State. I want to see that play out, and I want to see Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall against Navy in that battle. So this is what it's all about. Bowls talk with Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other bowls. Keep it where it is. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. 